Well, most believe the RBA didn't respond enough to rising bond yields on Monday, so will they come out swinging today and tomorrow, buying up some state and federal government bonds to make up for the shortfall? Well, the AFR seems to think so today. Stocks are lower in the US, although they did bounce back a little as Jerome Powell gave his testimony to the Senate in the US overnight. They are still a long way from their goals, he says. And a dovish Bank of Canada overnight too. And a bit of a balancing act today for the RBNZ. They won't want to do anything to see the Kiwi dollar rise. But with the global reflation trade, is there really much they can do to stop it? It's the morning call from NAB for Wednesday, the 24th of February, 2021. Good morning. Well, U.S. shares are still under pressure. Another 1.3% fall in the Nasdaq, 0.4% down for the S&P 500. Six sessions in a row that it's seen a fall and a 0.1% fall for the Dow. Uh, the falls were much worse earlier in the session. There's a bit of a last-minute rush going on in Europe. The DAX down 0.6%, but the FTSE and the CAC current both back up 0.2%, a 1.7% rise in the IBEX 35. And bonds have settled down a bit. Ten-year Treasuries down just one basis point. UK 10-year guilds up four basis points. Aussie 10 years now down to 1.56% and the US dollar has regained a little ground. The DXY is up a little over 0.1%. The dollar uh, is up uh, 0.9% though on the Swiss franc. Not much movement in the Aussie dollar. It's down a little but it's still over 79 US cents and the pound up uh, 0.3% now over $1.41 and choppy in commodities uh, WTI is down a little but uh, it was up a fair bit earlier on now just 0.1% uh, down and copper still on the rise, another 1.4% up today. Tapa Strickland is here today, direct economics for markets at NAB. It's more rotation in stocks, people bailing out of those stay at home stocks. And Tesla, it fell almost 9% at the start of today's session to below the point where it entered the SP 500. Uh, so as a result, Elon Musk is no longer the richest person on the planet. Well, he might be again, give it another half an hour. Uh, so, I mean, it is wherever you look, it's very choppy. A lot of movement today, isn't there? Uh, good morning, Phil. Yes, it does seem like there has been a lot of movement, but the way I'd broadly characterize what we've seen uh, in at least equities and in rates markets is more in a consolidation mm. mode. So, uh, equities uh, have fallen and uh, those losses were led by the tech sector. But when you look under the details, there seems to be a more nuanced uh, rotation occurring Uh towards the more cyclical components. So you see the S&P 500 financials sub-index up 0.2% on that steeper yield curve or the thematic of the steeper yield curve. Uh, You're seeing energy up uh, 0.8% and you're seeing those declines, as I was saying, in in the IT space and also in the health space as well. So there is a little bit of rotation occurring there, but just given the weight of the tech sector within the S&P 500, it's no surprise to see the S&P 500 down yeah. And Jerome Powell giving his testimony before the uh, the Senate overnight as well. He's reiterated he's not worried about inflation because the economy is a long way from uh, reaching their employment goals and the recovery is uh, uneven and uh, far from over. So I think that helped the US dollar a little today, didn't it? That's why we've seen it uh, regaining a bit of ground. Uh, in, in, indeed, and also helped uh, stocks a little bit as well. So although the equity market finished down, uh, it was looking a little bit more in the red before Powell started speaking. And uh, really, Powell uh, reiterated what he has been saying for a while, that policy will need to be easy for quite some time, citing that the real unemployment rate in the US is something more around 10%, and they'll take some time to uh, come down accord- and accordingly easy monetary policy is needed. On the prices front, uh, he also said um, 
Prices still remain particularly soft in hard-hit sectors. So there's a little bit of a pushback in terms of the market's view of inflation rising in a sustainable way. I guess in terms of what markets are really looking for, <clears throat> was any comments on the recent rise in yields? <clears throat> and it looked like Powell and the other Fed officials are basically ta- uh, t- tacitly endorsing market pricing, uh, at least what we've seen so far. And so that's the reason why in the bond market, at least, you've seen mostly consolidation moves. When you look at uh, the US 10-year yield, I think it's uh, down by about one and a half basis points at the moment. So hasn't moved a lot and he's still hovering around that 135 level. And, and he's saying it's economic optimism, isn't he? He's saying this is not a sign of rising inflation expectations. This is just a sign that people are saying the economy is going well. Yes, yes, indeed. And I think that is an important point uh, in terms of the interpretation of what central banks are doing here. So a lot of people uh, were thinking about are central banks going to be pushing back on what we've seen in, this, in bonds. And indeed, there's a few pieces in in Australia that will go through in a, f- in a few seconds that suggests yeah. the RBA will push back on some of the movements that we've seen in markets. But at least for the Fed, I think they're quite encouraged to see that lift in yields and the lift in inflation expectations as a signal that the economy is starting to improve from here. And I think that's part of the reason why you've seen a consolidation mode in bonds rather than a rally in, in bonds. Uh, and it's just worth noting that uh, Kaplan on Monday also um, said uh, he wouldn't be surprised if Treasury yields rise further as the growth outlook improves. So the Fed is definitely not stepping in the way in terms of the moves in yields that we've seen so far. And that also has some implications in terms of the equity market as well, uh, in terms of how they're viewing the And if there's less concern about inflation, inflation, then there should be less concern about the size of the stimulus package, perhaps. So that is being passed from the House to the Senate uh, next week, it's expected. Obviously, huge chunks of it are going to get cut out at the Senate, like the, the $15 minimum wage for a start, uh, and perhaps more means testing on, on handouts. But it should move forward next week. That's the expectation, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. I think it's on track to pass the House uh, at the end of this week. I think markets are now more reconciled towards being closer to that $1.9 trillion mark after having thought it would be a little bit less than that uh, at when um, it went for bipartisan support. And just also worth noting that centrist Democrats, uh, such as those um, Manchin and those um, kind of representatives, haven't really um, voiced too much op- opposition in terms of the stimulus package. So it does look like the final stimulus envelope will be around that $1.9 trillion level. And uh, that is still causing a little bit of fears within some in the market that that could generate a little bit of sustained rise in inflation. And so it's likely markets will retain some of the pricing that we've seen in break-evens. So the RBA, beginning of this week, there was that belief, wasn't there, that they didn't respond enough to this rise that we saw in bond yields in Australia. Uh, The AFR reporting today that, well, today, they might come good on that. Well, it seems like it. Uh, just worth noting, the RBA is in blackout at the moment, so can't necessarily come out and physically say something, but it does look like they've tapped a few people in the press uh, to say something along those lines. And the AFAR's Keo uh, is writing that uh, expect low and Deputy Governor Guida Bell to step up to the plate uh, where doubts should be vanquished uh, when the RBA buys state government bonds on Wednesday and federal government debt in the secondary market on Thursday. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll just have to see exactly how aggressive the RBA comes out here uh, in defending their three-year yield curve target and whether they um, step up purchases within that five to ten year space and try and dampen down yields a little bit but it is just worth noting the contrast uh, between the RBA and the Fed the Fed giving tacit endorsement to, to, to market moves while also reiterating that policy needs to be easy for quite some time and it looks like at least for the RBA uh, they're, they're wanting to defend their three year yield curve control target 
and uh, push back on the notions that some in the market have that the Fed, uh, sorry, that the RBA could be set to raise rates within the next two to three yeah. years. Well, yeah, exactly. Whereas the Bank of Canada, uh, they're in the same boat as the Fed, aren't they? Really, sounding very dovish overnight. Richard Tiff Macklem uh, said, "You know, it's scarring in the jobs market. Uh, it's going to take a while for those jobs to uh, to get back." It, this is sounding very much like Jerome Powell, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, I wonder whether you know there's a question about whether others are going to go the same way or not. What's the RBNZ? What stance are they going to take? Uh, it makes you wonder, in fact, whether the Bank of England, because they've been fairly bullish, haven't they, with all their recovery talk? And yet here we are, other side of the Atlantic, the, the Bank of the Bank of Canada and the Fed taking a very different line. Mm. And I guess the key difference between the, the the Fed, the Bank of Canada and the RBA is that you do have that $1.9 trillion stimulus package mm. that's likely to come out from the US. And uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen is on the record saying that if that's passed, then the US could be back to full employment by the end of uh, 2022, which is a full year earlier than what the FOMC is expecting there. So I think it's still reasonable that markets uh, – View the view that the Fed may need to hike rates within that two to three year period if the US does get back to that full employment level at the end of 2022. But uh, the Bank of Canada suggests that they won't get back to that level until uh, 2023, and the RBA doesn't suggest that they'll get back to that until at least uh, 2024. The risk is though for the RBA, just given the strength we've seen in the domestic economy, that uh, the data continues to surprise to the upside, and uh, the RBA continuing to be challenged on their three year yield curve control and. Uh, further pressure in yields domestically. So, so aren't we going to find the RBNZ, you know, facing similar problems? We're going to hear from them later today. They were fairly dovish last time, but there's been quite a lot of water under the bridge since then. Strong numbers, including job numbers. We've got the vaccine rollout. Uh, and obviously, they're going to want to make sure that the, the Kiwi dollar doesn't get too high as well. So what are they going to change their stance today? I wouldn't think they'll change their stance. I think they're just going to re- reaffirm their QE program uh, and... The key thing for markets really will be their inflation track and their track for spare capacity. And I think markets will price off that and not necessarily pay as much attention to the rhetoric coming out from the RBNZ, just given how quickly the story is is changing here. And just worth noting that uh, in terms of the Kiwi dollar um, and to some extent the Aussie, uh, just the global factors that are influencing that. And uh, the Aussie and the Kiwi uh, remain the preeminent global risk uh, proxies there. And uh, if you still continue to get very positive uh, stories coming out in terms of vaccines, in terms of recovery globally, then uh, there's very little that both the um, RBNZ and the RBA can do to stem uh, appreciation this, in their currencies. This dovish stance doesn't seem to be taken by the uh, Bank of England. And yet you look at uh, the UK and obviously they've been hit far worse than anybody else. And then you look at the jobs numbers for November, which came out overnight. Pretty tragic. 114,000 fewer people in work in November. Uh, now, it might, it might not be just be COVID. There might, there might be a bit of Brexit as well in November because uh, the, the, we potentially there wasn't a deal sorted out uh, for, the e, for Brexit at that point. But that, those are bad numbers. And yet here we have the uh, the Bank of England governor talking about a coiled spring, uh, bringing back the recovery to the UK. I mean, uh, why are they so optimistic when everyone else is a bit more dovish? I think there is some justification for the interpretation of a coiled spring. So what we can say, you did have very good government support during lockdown, um, such as the JobKeeper and the job seeker supplements. Uh, that did assist households and businesses in terms of their balance sheets and in terms of retaining people. And the loss in human capital was a lot less than it was previously. And that story of households having a large stock of uh, cash holdings that could be potentially unleashed as the recovery uh, 
gets underway is, is still there. So I, I think um, obviously um, Haldane is very uh, bullish in terms of the potential for recovery in the UK, but I think there is some merit to, to that argument. Well, Governor Bailey is going to be talking today or tonight to the uh, UK Parliament's Treasury Committee and Andy Haldane is out talking as well, giving a talk on the changing nature of work. Uh, well, it certainly has changed, hasn't it? Uh, also, uh, we've got the second day of the testimony uh, by Jerome Powell as well in the US Senate and uh, Baynard and Cloud are also talking. But let's look on the home front. Interesting political development in that the Liberal Party no longer holds a balance of power. Yeah, so from fairly big news there. So with uh, Craig Kelly's departure, that leaves the government with 76 MPs out of 151, but they do have to supply a speaker. Um, so in order to win a, a vote on the House floor, uh, they do need uh, someone else. And it looks like the government has signed uh, some kind of agreement with one of the independent uh, crossbenchers in the lower house. Uh, so it does look like the government uh, is safe in terms of being able to pass uh, legislation there. But this is coming in the context of uh, election talk in Australia and Craig Kelly's uh, departure probably tips the balance towards yeah. uh, the more probability of an election being held this year than next year. Uh, not particularly market moving, but just something worth uh, keeping in the back of your mind. Right. We've also got uh, Q4 wages and construction numbers uh, coming out of Australia as well. I guess they are both uh, fairly backward-looking numbers. Uh, all eyes are going to be this morning on the RBNZ. That's the next cab off the rank. Uh, we'll leave it there for now, though. Good to talk, Tapas. Uh, great. Uh, thanks, Phil. And that is it. That's the morning call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I will be back again tomorrow. I'm always here. I'll be back again tomorrow morning. Catch me then. Have a great day.